Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAT Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins. And Asai Calderon Muñiz. I'm feeling like a little bit of socialization, Asai. Um, <laughs> that, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Socialization and norms. And socialization probably does not mean what you think it means, especially because I did not help. I used it in a non-psych uh, <laughs> phrasing there. So socialization is not hanging out with people. Um, I mean, that is socialization, but that's not the MCAT definition of socialization. The MCAT def definition of socialization is learning how to act in society by being taught by society in some way, um, being taught how to, how to interact with the world around us. Um, it's a really weird definition because that means like a three-year-old sitting and watching TV is being socialized. They're being taught mm -hmm. by what's going on on the TV and like how to act and how to interact with people around them. And so that technically is socialization. So um, sitting in front of your TV, watching friends or whatever is socialization, according to the MCAT. Um, oh, you just dated us. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Well, friends is evergreen. I'm sticking with that. Maybe not. Um, uh, what, what do people watch these days? Uh, Squid Games. Game of Thrones is one that has been recommended to me multiple times, and I still have not watched it. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it's it's a shame they only made six seasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the other side of this is like norms. And that's like, what are those things that society is teaching you? Like, what's normal? What is how should you act? What are the normal ways to act? And so we have these norms that are taught to us via socialization, society teaching us how we're supposed to act. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And this, I, I just want to note that this carries a lot of um, a lot of weight in terms of yes, these expectations of how society expects us to act, and then also whether those make sense in a continuously changing society. So okay. I just want to take a moment and acknowledge that and point that out because just because something has been the norm in past years, in past decades, in a particular culture doesn't mean that it will stay the norm. And so there can be changes within a society across time. Uh, but for the time being, we're going to imagine that we are looking, oh goodness, at one society, a snapshot in time, cross-sectional study. And so, sorry, I've, I've been thinking a lot about different types of studies um, recently. But imagine that we're just looking at a society at one point in time. There are some behaviors that can be associated with what we'll call stigma. And so these are uh, reactions that people have to behavior often quite negatively. And so you can imagine a scenario where someone behaves in a way that goes against the norms. Um, and it doesn't have to be that it's bad, right? It might not be to the level of stealing, but it's just odd behavior, doesn't quite fit the way we might expect someone to behave. You can think about for example, someone that is typically considered a loner and not really talking to other people, and that can be frowned upon in some scenarios and in some circles. And so people might have a negative association with that behavior. There are times where the negative associations with that behavior will actually lead to formal action. So we can have a scenario where, you know, informally people might not want to talk to that person. Um, some people who typically go out of their way to talk to other people are just like, eh, don't really want to associate with them. It's, it's a little weird the way they're acting. They don't quite fit in. Um, but for some behaviors like stealing, 
we might have more formal responses. And so these would be called sanctions. And so there are punishments that are formally um, enacted in response to a certain behavior. So we can have informal um, responses to the behavior. We can have formal sanctions like, you know, being put in jail and being fined and uh, yeah. having your license revoked if you are driving unsafely. I am always thinking of cars because of cars on the MCAT. Yeah. So I apologize if there are a couple of those examples here today. Yeah. I mean, sanctions are also something that we do, like nations do, right? Mm-hmm. Like if like some country in the, like, in the Pacific is like developing nuclear weapons, we may decide, oh, we're going to sanction this company or not company, country, country. right? Like we're going to like make make it so that trade deals with them are very unfavorable and they don't have access to certain things. So it's it's punishing. Sanctions are essentially just punishments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the MCAT has used informal sanctions as a term. So there are like formal sanctions, which are what we normally think of with sanctions, like, you know, fines or jail time or things like that. Informal sanctions could be things like so something as, as minor as just frowning. Right. Somebody does something and everyone like frowns and glares at them and like they quit doing it. And like that frowning was kind of like the punishment, right, that they got from that, you know, a harsh look from somebody would be kind of an informal sanction. Um, And that stigma is just kind of this like general negative feel from society. Um, So things with stigma often have informal sanctions. And this is where there you'll. Sorry, I have a lot of thoughts going through my mind right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, We haven't talked about these in a really long time, but the different personality disorders, the psychiatric disorders that you can be tested on on the exam are often associated with stigma. They're often associated with negative perceptions. And part of this is due to how the media presents them. Part of it is due to not actually knowing different, you know, how different disorders present or what they actually are. Um, and so there can be negative associations that are that people have towards that behavior that's associated with that disorder or the disorder itself. And so that's something that has different connections and it may be in the form of a particular behavior or it can be associated with, you know, what you'll be seeing as future physicians in your office and in your clinics in the hospital. Yeah, this is a big part of being a physician, too, is recognizing because there's a lot of things that medically have stigmas to them. And like, <laughs> yes, the psychiatric ones, but also like uh, any issues with the, re- with the reproductive system. Often people don't like there's a stigma on talking about those. Right. Like you shouldn't like you did. There's just kind of this weird thing. And this this kind of happens, especially within different pockets of cultures as well. Um, so if you are working with like an Amish community, you need to be like extra aware and like, keep in mind that somebody may not bring something up because there's normally a stigma with it and they feel uncomfortable bringing up that thing. And so you may need to be a lot more direct, um, with those things. Um, like just kind of like big picture, like it is very realistic for somebody like a, a, you know, a a 13, 14, 15 year old boy to have like testicular pain and not want to talk about it. Right. Because there's a stigma to this. And like, you shouldn't be talking about those sorts of issues. Um, And that may occur even at the doctors where all of a sudden the, the, the the kid doesn't want to speak up, not only to their parents, which who are the ones who are probably going to create the doctor's appointment, 
But even if there is a doctor's appointment, they may not want to bring it up with the physician, especially if the physician is female. And I know that that's like, it shouldn't be this way, but there is, you know, kind of like some weird things. Like oftentimes people have trouble talking about things of that kind of private nature to someone of the opposite sex, right? So um, a young female having like issues with their menstrual cycle may not want to talk to me about it. And so just being kind of aware of those things is is also kind of important. So like understanding like stigmas and socialization and norms and how things like society teaches us to act, sometimes that can be in direct conflict with what you need to do as a physician. And mm-hmm. so it's something that can become um, kind of a tricky minefield at times where you don't want to, like sometimes patients may take something as an insult if you ask them certain things and like, you're not trying to be insulting, but you need to ask these questions um, Mm -hmm. because of the medical relevance. And when you get to med school and you start um, training in in the interview and how to go about asking patients questions that are relevant, that are more sensitive in our society, you'll get that practice. And so don't freak out if you're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know how to ask a 14-year-old child about their menstrual cycle or their testicular pain. Um, It's okay. (laughs) You will get to that point. It does take practice. There's a bit of fumbling. I'm going to be very honest. And that's okay. And so this is where, again, there can be changes within a society and across generations. You might notice that there are stigmas that hold a lot stronger in some generations compared to others. And I will say it it's stereotype, <laughs> but there is um, a little bit to it in that what you'll often see is maybe older generations will be more private about some things, whereas younger generations may be a lot more open. And there are things yeah. that you see on social media that when I was growing up, I would have never imagined being public conversations. And so, oh my God, are you in- old? <laughs> Does that make you old? Is that what happens when I'm like, I can't believe people are talking about that? <laughs> That's well, here's the thing. I'm like, go for it, right? It yeah. makes our future job easier. Uh, for those of y'all that are listening, you know, when you're talking to patients, it might be a very different situation than now that I'm training. And so, and when you were training, Phil, there was probably a different degree of openness with conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to point that out because it's something that we need to be aware of when we're talking with other people. And this goes in general, but also in your future careers, regardless of the specialty you go into, unless you're doing pathology. Maybe not as applicable in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there's kind of different levels to these norms, and the MCAT will expect you to have some, like, familiarity with these. Um, In reality, some of them can be a little bit hard to tell apart from each other. Um, And so the MCAT would have to be fairly explicit with these. And so we want to, like, dive into – there's three main levels of these norms kind of going through. The first one is a folkway, which is a pretty minor – um norm it's something like this is like if somebody broke this rule right you wouldn't look at them like oh they're a terrible person like it's just be like well that's weird um but fine whatever um like if you meet somebody who says um like for halloween we should give out batteries i'm like well that's (laughs) kind of weird right like why okay fine or if somebody shakes hands with their left hand Right. Like, I don't look at them and say, like, this is a terrible human being. Right. Or if somebody likes to celebrate the Fourth of July by carving zucchinis into faces and putting candles inside them and putting them outside. Like, that seems like a strange thing, but 
okay, fine. Um, maybe I'm just like very non-judgmental. I always like to stick with holidays with that because holidays have a lot of norms with them. Like, what do you do on this holiday? What do you do on that holiday? Um, the food you the eat food. on a given holiday. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm, I'm going to give a little window into my life. I don't think I've told you this story ever as I, um, but for a long time, I thought this was a normal part of, of New Year's Eve is my family would take down our tree on New Year's Eve. What? And then we would put it back up in the backyard without all of the ornaments on it. And because I lived in Missouri, and as any good Missourian, I like my family sold fireworks like <laughs> during the 4th of July. <laughs> so our garage was full of fireworks all the time. And so we would redecorate our tree with garlands of firecrackers and like uh, Roman candles sticking out of it. And then we would light the tree on fire. And that was our New Year's Eve, like spectacular. And like you would have to like, light the tree with the Roman candles. So you would get really far away and then shoot Roman candles at, at the tree to light it on fire. And I honestly thought this was a super normal thing for all of my life until I got to college and everyone explained like, that is not a thing. Um, because I was trying, like I got a Christmas tree when I was in college and I'm like, let's decorate it and like light it on fire. And everyone's like, no, what what is wrong with you? Like you don't do that in the city. That's one of your hillbilly <laughs> things, Phil. Um, Wait, so did anyone ever get injured? Because that seems like an injury waiting to happen. Well, to, light uh, that, the, to light the Christmas tree on fire using a Roman candle. Yeah. And there are fireworks going around the tree. Yeah, yeah. It was, I'll admit, that's a part of the fun is that the, you would put bottle rockets in there that would shoot out of the tree as it was burning. And so there'd be like flaming things kind of coming at us from the tree. <laughs> but um, that was part of the fun celebration part. That might just be like, you know, three teenage boys um you know kind of like scenario single parent mom was working probably um uh, i think it was her idea though the first couple of years and then after that we just kept amping it up and making the tree into a bigger spectacle we'll see there's something really fun about burning the christmas tree this is gonna this probably also sounds weird did it for the first time with my <laughs> family last well i guess i can't say last year anymore because it's 2024 yeah um, if back in 2022 uh, we took pieces of the tree, we broke it apart, put it in a fire pit, and then burned. And it was, I don't know, I think this is going to sound really weird. I've always liked fire. I yeah, think it's cool. <laughs> okay, glad I'm not the only one. I, I'm a fire guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just kind of like thinking about like holiday traditions, right? I would have been the one breaking the folkways. Like that is not a normal way to celebrate the like New Year's. Um, yeah. yeah. And there... There's one that I always think about on the bus, right? If there are open seats and then someone sits right next to you, it is an informal, it's it's an informal norm. It's not written yeah. down, but you're just kind of looking at them and you're like, oh, why are yeah, you sitting here? Weird. Right? It's yeah. weird, but it's not bad. But there are some other behaviors that are still not written down as this cannot be done, but that carry more formal, um, and I want to be careful about the word formal but stronger kind of punishments and reactions like yeah. i feel like lying is a really good one and so this would be a more goes a step further from the uh folk ways but it's going to have stronger responses and stronger um punishments we've talked about how sanctions are essentially punishments and there can be informal and formal sanctions um, but the key is that these go a step further lying is like a soft more <laughs> there are some stronger ones yeah uh, some stronger behaviors that 
kind of cross another line, that can be hard to tell. And I will you know, say topic yeah. you're going to talk about. And- no, like I feel like I'm, I also want to clarify, like Amore is M-O-R-E-S. It looks like Moors. Yes. So yeah. when you're like picking answers on test day, you're like, what's a Moors? Um, <laughs> like Amore is like a leveled up version of a folk way um, where it's a little bit more. Uh, there's I always like the, there's a moral component to it. Yeah. Right. Like if somebody gets in the elevator and they face the wrong direction, I don't say that's a terrible human being. If something <laughs> if somebody cheats on their wife or their spouse, I'm like, oh, that's a terrible like I kind of judge you like there's a moral component to that or lying or cheating or stealing. Yeah. Um, what's what's interesting is these mores like what's a folk way? What's a moraine? What's a, a taboo was just the, the last one. Um the differences between them, you can't just go based on legal things, <laughs> right? Because like what's legal and what's illegal, like the more severe ones or the the legal ones. But like cheating is not like illegal, like to cheat on your spouse, right? Or infidelity, right? Um, that's not a, a, a legal issue, but it is, there is a moral component to that. So like don't cheat on your spouse is like, there's a moray to that. Um, don't speed, uh, that's kind of a folkway sort of thing. Like some people like speed, uh, like speeding might actually be the folkway. Like most people, it seems like speed. Um, yeah, but that technically is against the law. Now, so's murder and that's got a moral component to it. So don't, don't fall into the, like, is it legal or illegal trap with folkways versus mores? Cause there are, there's just like, is there a moral component to that murder? Yes. Right. Like abuse. Yes. Stealing. Yeah, I would say there's a moral component to that. Speeding, jaywalking, nah, there's not a moral component to that. So that's definitely not a moray. And I think what can be helpful in thinking about this is also the degree of response that people have. Because when we're talking about that folk way, right, looking in the wrong direction when you're sit, I say wrong, there we go, yeah. <laughs> looking away from the door when you are on an elevator or sitting in next the- to someone, the response is not going to be very strong. It's probably like, an annoyance. If that, I'm not going to be annoyed. If someone's, yeah. you know, looking in a different direction on the elevator, going to be annoyed if they sit. Yeah, I would be down, yeah. next to me. And it's that's happened. like that's like on the edge of a moray. Like uh, that, might, <laughs> they might be a bad person yeah. if they do that. And but that's so, yeah. There was a time where someone did this, and he was like, "The bus was filled. The bus was empty." And I'm like, "Is this a is this a Bostonian thing that somehow I haven't yeah. experienced?" I looked it up, and apparently, in some cultures, it would be considered rude if they didn't sit next to you and i was like okay maybe maybe that's what was going on um but then right lying cheating the responses to these are going to be stronger whether or not you know they're not written down and they're not legal although cheating in school is will get you into a lot of trouble yes exactly plagiarism be careful chat gpt you've got a site make sure to cite yeah Yeah. Um, (laughs) but uh, the response, the degree of response and the degree of how wrong it's considered in society can help you in differentiating between a folkway, a moray. And thank you for bringing up that it's spelled M-O-R-E-S. Um, yeah. And then a taboo. Yeah. The um, like kind of like walking that line. Like we said, there's some things that like like sitting next to somebody on the the bus like I and if all the other seats are empty. I would kind of be like, that's a weird, like I would almost have like a moral judgment thing to that, (laughs) which means the MCAT won't ask you about that sort of thing. Like they're going to be really clear or they will specify that there was a moral reaction to this. 
Um, taboos, on the other hand, these are things that are so... So I want to be clear. Folkways and mores are norms that you you follow these rules and you can break a folkway and you can break a more. Um, taboos are things that like that's that's the things you don't do, right? And so if you do something that is taboo, that means you are not following the norms. If you do something that's a more or a folkway, that means you are following the norms. You are falling in line with what's normal. Um, taboos are really extreme. I always like to use the analogy, like not only are they just like, there's there a moral component to this, but it, it's usually to the point where you don't have, you don't even talk about this in polite conversation. My, my test for this is, let's say you are meeting someone you really liked that you're, and you are dating them and you're meeting their parents for the first time, right? <laughs> Would you bring this up in conversation, right? Somebody stole from somebody. Yeah. I could bring that up in conversation. I wouldn't feel terrible about bringing that up. Um, just like that topic of stealing. Um, cannibalism? <laughs> probably not going to bring that up, right? Uh, necrophilia? Probably not bringing that up, right? Like, there's some topics, like, you just, you don't even talk about, right? There's so much judgment on that, like, uh, pedophilia. Like, you don't don't even broach that topic, right? Um, and so taboos are things that are really extreme. A lot of times I, um, I always think it's funny. I'll ask a student like, what, what, do you, what, what, what would be a good taboo? And like, I look for their examples. Um, and sometimes I get examples. I'm like, oh man, like my taboos are way worse than yours. Like my brain is much scarier place than yours. They're like cheating on a test is taboo. And I'm like, mm, it, there's a moral component, but like, I don't think it's taboo. Yeah. Um, I think of cannibalism and pedophilia <laughs> and like those are things like way so far beyond the scope of what's acceptable. It's like so far beyond that you have a hard time even discussing those things. Bill, you went straight for the jugular. I yeah, shouldn't like, have expected anything less. Yeah. And that's those are the things that like if the MCAT's going to test you on that, they're going to have to go pretty hard on mm -hmm. that um, because it needs to be something that every student across the U.S. is going to see that as a really extreme thing, right? Exactly. And so that's the hard part of this is because there's pockets of culture where, like, in this culture, maybe, like, uh, cheating on your wife is not that big of a deal, right? Or maybe in this culture, cheating on your wife is so severe that you don't even talk about doing something like that. Um, <laughs> like, there are some cultures, um, some places in the world where if you cheat on somebody you could be killed, right? Like death penalty for that. And like in those areas, like, yeah, that's more of a taboo thing. Like that's so far extreme kind of in that in that direction. Yeah. And we've been talking about behaviors up until this point. There's some there's another set of topics that we want to talk about that don't start with behaviors, but we're going to end with behaviors in in this short mini series. Um, the first is, so we're going to be talking about stereotype, prejudice, and discrimination. And so stereotype is, I think, something that a lot of students are familiar with and understand pretty well. So it's these perceptions that we have about a particular group, and there we generalize them to that group. Um, note that you can apply a stereotype to an individual if they belong to a particular group. Uh, and 
they may be based in some reality. But the issue with these is that they are too generalized. And so you can think about this as like an archetype when you're watching uh, a movie, for example, the villain, right? The villain has to behave a certain way because they're the villain. And <laughs> that is something that applies. Every culture has stereotypes, every single one. Um, one of the ones that is unfortunately still pervasive and drives me up a wall is that women, especially women of color, are emotional. And so <laughs> if a woman is upset, she's emotional and there is no, you know, there, there may not be an actual reason that she may <laughs> be upset. <laughs> um, simply emotional. And so that's a stereotype that a lot of people carry, even if it's unspoken. And so that's something to keep in mind. So there may be stereotypes that exist that you don't really believe. But there are some stereotypes that even if we don't talk about it, we might hold true. So there might be people who, hopefully not anyone who's listening, that believe that, right? And so they're going to have prejudice against that group when it comes to that um, behavior, that expectation, that belief. And so if it's still in the mind, it's considered prejudice. But at that point, the person has adopted those beliefs. Now, if those beliefs turn into actions, then it becomes discrimination, so now it's not just, oh, you're being emotional. It's I'm going to actively ignore you when you are upset, right, about something or you disagree about something. So we go from stereotype, which is this belief held in a society, whether or not it is accurate, whether or not it is based on some grain of truth, then if a person adopts it and they don't have to actively adopt it, it may be at a subconscious level, then it becomes prejudice. And then we can have discrimination. I want to point out that this doesn't just apply to individuals. It can happen at uh, broader levels. And so discrimination is something that we often hear spoken about on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but it can happen at the level of institutions, right? If the, um, if the way that the institution was created, the laws that govern that institution are based off of or incorporate stereotypes, whether the folks that built that institution had some prejudice that then went into the policies. And so this is something that, as a future physician, you should be aware of. So, for example, if an employer, right, um, sees, you know, they're, maybe they're working with migrants and immigrants or seasonal workers, and they hold this um, stereotype and prejudice that they're going to be lazy and they're just going to try and get out of work, they may discriminate against their workers who try to take sick time. And so you might have a patient who is quite sick and says, I can't take off. I can't take time off, doc. And this is where you can be an advocate for them and ask, what's going on, <laughs> right? And maybe it'll be hard, right, to, to change some people's minds at times. We do our best. Uh, but you can work with your patients and advocate for your patients when you recognize that something like this can be at play. Yeah. This, like, separating these, I feel like every single person Listening is probably like, I know what a stereotype is. I know what prejudice is. I know what a discrimination is. I know what those things are. But the MCAT can be really tricky about these. I think yeah. that discrimination is the easiest to differentiate because it's a behavior, right? Did you mm -hmm. change the way that you act? If that's so, that's discrimination. But stereotype and prejudice can be a little bit trickier. So stereotype is an idea and prejudice is a feeling, like a judging sort of thing. Like if I say, I think people from Iowa have better reaction speed, right? Like, is that prejudice or is that stereotype, right? Like, 
well, that's a stereotype, right? Or if I say, I think people from Iowa are really good at math, right? That's a stereotype. Now, if I say, I want my accountant to be from Iowa, that's prejudice, right? Because that's like a, a feeling of like, I like or I don't like, right? If you don't have that like pro or con, the feeling, if you're not prejudging it, a judgment of like, that's what prejudice is, is like, I like this, I don't like this, you know, something there. Um, then it's not prejudice, but if it's just an idea, right? Uh, now, if I say I'm only going to interview accountants from Iowa, that's discrimination, right? And you can see that these are very often tied to each other, where a stereotype will lead to prejudice, which will lead to discrimination. Um, you do see this a lot in um, in medicine. Like we need to be really aware of this. Like when we are um, practicing medicine. Are we treating patients differently? Now that's kind of hard because, like, sometimes patients have different problems, and you shouldn't tr you shouldn't give them all like insulin is not the solution to every problem, right? And so you need to you do need to treat patients differently, but do you take their um, like when hey. the when the uh, you know forty five year old soccer mom comes in and says my knee hurts? Do you how do you treat that differently? Than if a 25-year-old biker dude, like covered in tattoos, comes in and says, My knee hurts. Like, do you are you treating them differently in that case? And like there might be something kind of going on in your head with these things. Like, I think this person like just is bored, or I think this person, like, oh, they probably put up with a lot of pain. And so this must be really bad if they go into this. Um, and so there is something like we do need to be aware of socialization and norms in different cultures. And that's why this can get really messy really quickly. Because I do think that, like we mentioned earlier, some subgroups and some cultures have a harder time talking about things. Like I often would, like I would imagine that a, like a biker guy who is covered in tattoos and have lots of road rash, like from me falling off his bike and he doesn't wear his helmet. Like he comes in and says his knee hurts. A part of me is like, eh, it probably really hurts, right? Because he's probably not going to come into the hospital that often. But like, should I be treating them differently and like blowing off the the soccer mom? Because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, they're just bored, right? Like you shouldn't, like that is not okay. Um, And so taking like this ability to kind of like adjust, but also keep in mind like cultural, like subcultural pressures um, is something that is really, um, can get really messy. And I will tell you that there are doctors who have made decisions and actions right now that I think are wrong, right? Like that I would look at and like, nope, that is not okay. On the other hand, there are occasional things where I'm like, well, I mean, like, like growing up in the farming community where I did, like you did not complain about physical anything. My my grandpa fell and broke his back and like he actually like had a broken, broken vertebra. Um, and he didn't go to the hospital for three days because he's like, Well, I, I I'm it's fine, right? Like I'm not, it's not too bad. I'm not, I can handle it. Just because like old farmers don't complain, right? And they just like lower their head and try to push through. And like, I'm like, Grandpa, you you broke your back. Go to the doctor, right? And so understanding that, like, when we we initially, like, he called a doctor and, like, the doctor's like, like, how bad is he? He's like, oh, it 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 doesn't feel good. You know, it, it hurts a little. And, like, like, understand, like, translating that from old farmer into, into English, right? That's like, yeah. my back's broken is what that means. Um, because my grandpa was one of those people who just wouldn't complain about anything. 
And so it's tricky going through that and just kind of understanding if one patient says like, ah, it's a little sore, like you might need to push a little bit farther because of, of being aware of those like socializations and like being aware of the norms and of the the pockets of culture and groups that you're dealing with. Um, there may be cases, I think generally for me, the problem is, and maybe this is, this is like a me thing. Um, I'm telling you how uh, what I see is the problem generally, and I am telling you now this is dangerous for me to be saying, and I'm probably wrong. So I'm just caveat to that. My problem is often when uh, physicians underestimate a problem and they tend to assume it like somebody's complaining too much. I tend to assume that they it it like I'm gonna assume worst case scenario, generally speaking. Um, so if somebody comes in and they say my knee hurts, I'm not going to be likely like, oh, this person is probably just a complainer and like I'm just going to like blow them off and they're, they'll be fine. Um, I tend to want to go in the other direction. And I think that's just because I'm so afraid of, of like, I don't want to tell someone to go home when there's a real problem. Um, I would rather have like going, go too far in the other area and have people stick around maybe more than they should. I understand that's also balancing resources within healthcare systems and things like that. This starts to this is starting to get really messy and dirty and farther than I intended to go in this. But there is some real problems here that you need to be aware of as a physician um, when you get to that point of trying to understand how to deal with these scenarios. And the thing is, you're not wrong because we when you're learning. So for those of y'all that are listening and when you get when you get into medical school, you're going to learn that some diagnoses, we call them do not miss diagnoses because they're so important, but they can be sneaky. And so people may not present with the same symptoms for a heart attack. And we know that, um, you know, women present differently than men can present differently than men with a heart attack. And so if, you know, you just assume, oh, yeah, it's it's probably nothing, right? And you send them home, you could be missing a do not miss diagnosis. And so I'm with you on that, Phil. It is a balancing act and it can be really tough to, you know, say, okay, let's make sure that we don't keep them here longer than we need to. But also let's make sure that we don't miss something that could be super serious. Um, I also want to point out that there, I, I mentioned this very briefly, um, the idea that you might hold a, a stereotype or that there might be stereotypes that you have adopted um, subconsciously. And that can lead to prejudice even unintentionally. And there are biases that we have that we don't always realize. And there are some that we hold implicitly. It's something that you will or should hear about in medical school. If your school's curriculum just never touches yeah. on it, that's odd. Uh, but yeah. there are some, there are actually some really interesting tests that they had us take in medical school. And then actually, again, in the public health school. So if you Google Harvard Implicit Association Test, they're actually little tests that you have to respond as fast as you can. And there are instructions and whatnot. It's free, but it's very revealing. People don't always agree with what they see as the results because we don't always want to admit them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it basically just tries to connect, okay, what are associations that you have, even if you don't realize it with, for example, different religions or, for example, different body sizes. Um, and so it can be interesting to think about our own so that we can start deconstructing them and making sure that we are working towards treating patients with the same concern equitably, right? And so I want to point yeah. that out because like you said, patients come in with different concerns. And so you don't want to treat everyone the same if they have different concerns. <laughs> um, but 
it's something to to think about and that you'll probably hear about throughout your yeah. training and future career because it's a big topic. Yeah, that also comes up on the MCAT a fair amount. Like in the practice <laughs> test that the AMC has released, like there's a lot of passages about studies about implicit bias with physicians. And there's a lot of research in that because it does exist. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's an important thing is to recognize that we do have implicit biases that we are unaware of. And I think just being aware of that is is the first step. Um, what I will say that one of the things that was like hammered into me in med school um, was a it was a very interesting lecture where they were telling us like, listen, you are going to have prejudices, like it's going to happen. Um, you are going to have a scenario where you have like a young girl um, who was injured in like a school bus wreck, and you have somebody who's coming in with a. Uh, overdose on a drug and this is the fourth time you've seen them this month and like you're going to be approaching this is like i i care more about this patient than that patient i like this patient more than this patient and i want to help that one right and that is um like that's going to happen and like that was a part of this this lecture is like listen you are allowed you're going to have prejudice we can't say don't have them because that's not going to happen as a as a human being you will like certain people and you will not like certain people, but you can't discriminate. And so you have to make sure that your actions are equitable across the across the spectrum, even if you do like certain patients and not like others. Um, and that's an important thing to kind of keep in mind is I, I think that at some point it becomes impossible to re completely remove prejudice. Like you're not going to be like, I'm going to like every single person in the world the same amount as everyone else because... Like, that's just kind of, I wish, I wish that that was possible. I wish that I was capable of doing that. Um, but that, that becomes kind of a hard thing overall. Um, so like I said, prejudice, discrimination, stereotype, I feel like everyone has a good understanding of it, but the MCAT can get really tricky with this. And so you want to be really, um, kind of careful with those topics, um, especially kind of relating them to like norms and sanctions. And as you mentioned, Azai, like, certain stereotypes about like women of color, like, you know, Latina, like a fiery temper or something like that. Like that, that may change the way that you act because you're like of dealing with certain stigmas in that. And so all of a sudden your, your actions may change and kind of like adjustments and things like that, um, whether they should or shouldn't, I, like that will happen um, overall. And so just being aware of this is a big part of, I honestly, a big part of medicine, but it's also a big part of things. People should just be thinking about these things in general. Yeah. The and the example that they used in a similar lecture for us was if the president of a, a very well-known president of a differing political party from yours walked into your office, mm -hmm. how would you treat them? Yeah. Because politics is something that is very charged for a lot of people. And, you know, if a dictator were to walk into your office, how yeah. would you medically treat them? Yeah. And a, so a drug dealer who was in a exactly. gunfight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, as a reminder, send us your questions for our next Ask Us Anything. And very quickly, you can do that by emailing emailing us at podcast.jackweston.com, leaving us comments in on any YouTube video, any of the recent YouTube videos, uh, or sending a question in the Q&A on Spotify. And we look forward to seeing your questions.